0: If you are a guest this evening, we welcome you on this Thursday evening. Glad to have you. And to those of you that are watching us online, again, those of you that are a part of this congregation unable to be here tonight, we greet you and if you're watching us from someplace else, we welcome you as a part of of tonight. So tonight's going to be the the kickoff, uh, the next several weeks next three weeks counting tonight then we have oikos night and then we will wrap up the week after that but the importance of the of the christian family and my wife and i um throughout are going to kind of be sharing uh the the load and a couple others will be involved uh several weeks from now at least um but i'm looking forward to this and i i just want to say this um I believe the Bible is full of things that let us know that our our lives should be well-rounded in our development. What I mean by that is, I think it's easy to get so caught up in seeing our, our spiritual gifts and abilities grow and develop and we ignore the rest of our lives because of the spiritual component. And uh, I've said it, and I will continue to say it. I believe Christians should be the best husbands, the best wives, the best parents, the best kids, the best employers, the best employees, the best neighbors, I'm not getting any amens, but it's okay. And uh, I, 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 from my perspective, some of the importance of the next couple of weeks is it, it's a part of your your foundation because you know in uh, in the in the secular world uh, nobody's to, there's a whole lot of areas, jobs, and careers nobody really cares what your family condition is meaning that that's not going to qualify or disqualify you you can be the ceo of a corporation you can be the the best athlete in the nfl the nba major league baseball doesn't matter if you're got a strong family or not but that's not the case in the kingdom and we we not only do we need strong, healthy families and healthy homes, but we need strong families and healthy homes. We don't just need it from the perspective so that each of us can just have nice, peaceable lives. We need it. It is a need. And so I'm, I want to I pray, and then we're going to sing one more song here. And... Uh, the best half of the duo is going to start it off. So, But I, I want us to pray um, that God would not only the next several weeks as we gather, but again, this is a part of our grow discipleship process. And so anyone in the future uh, that will be doing that process and watching this, that I, I want us to pray. God is not limited to a moment. God fills all time. So why don't you stand? and uh, join with me Father thank you for your goodness your blessings in our lives thank you for the privilege of being a part of your kingdom thank you for your word Lord your word is the source it's not a source but it's the source to guide our lives and not not just the parts of our lives that we view as being the spiritual parts but our lives every aspect Lord your word covers it all fact Lord when you when you were given your law to your people it wasn't just ten commandments but there was hundreds of commandments that applied to every aspect of life because you are involved you should be involved in every area and so I I pray tonight for this congregation those that are present those that may end up watching this in the future Lord I know we've got a lot of different circumstances people are in a lot of different positions places with regards to this topic. And so I pray that whatever the circumstances of each individual, that you would speak to us, you would minister to us, I pray that our hearts would be good ground that your word might be planted in, in Jesus' name.
1: if we were going to lose some of you on that part that said, I won't harm you with words from my mouth. Uh, Somebody like stopped holding their partner's hand right about then. I was feeling bad about the car ride here. (laughs) It was a joke, all right, everybody take a breath. (laughs) You can be seated. (laughs) How's everybody doing? Good. Uh Uh-oh, where is my document? There it is. Okay. I'm first, yay. (laughs) I realize, like, I'm first first. Like, we haven't done this at all yet. I'm like, really first. And I'm up here, which I would prefer to be down there with you. But we had this cute little setup, and we wanted it to be cute. Right? So, in order to be cute had to be up here next to the cute little setup, next to the cute man, too, <laughs> so, <laughs> you started it, <laughs> who was it, somebody said, what? "It's with pastor, every, sir, was it you, Jacob, he said, every Sunday, pastor's always up there saying something about you being beautiful, or something about you, I said, I don't know, something about this 30 years, man, this is fun, so, <laughs> just getting crazy. All right. The importance of the Christian family. Lesson one. Here's my intro. Now I, um, if you want my notes, my, here's my disclaimer. Pastors always like, yeah, just email me. I'll send you my notes. See the way my notes work kind of like how my brain works and kind of like how, yeah, you can imagine my notes are not super presentable. Except for when I've copied and pasted something that I've read and I wish to share it, then that's very presentable, and you can read that in clear form. Um, The other thing, too, is I get kind of crazy, and I forget to put my resources. So I'm scared to share notes sometimes because I would never, and I do mean that sincerely, like I would never want to put something out that I did not include resources, so especially since I taught my kids to do that. Um, that was a joke. Where's all the homeschoolers? They're like, Yeah, that's my mom too. Um, anyway, it's a serious thing. So, but with speaking, I am gonna try to um go ahead and give you a couple of them that I'm gonna read from, and then there's a couple little things here and there I forgot about. That's why I don't wanna send it to you. Yeah. There you go. You'll have to just watch it again. But he'll share his notes. So that's why you make a great team. So here's the deal. We are not family experts. I think everybody knows that. Um we're not counselors, even though some of you ask us for counsel. It's technically and legally we're not allowed to be called counselors unless we're licensed. We are definitely not therapists. <laughs> yep, there's a small like wicker love seat situation in pastor's office, but that's where we put the couples uncomfortably. There's no laying down in there. there's no like tell me about your father, you know there's no therapy happening. Nope, not happening, we're not therapists, we're not psychologists, we're none of the above, but here's the deal, we have been married 30 years, and we have raised four children into adulthood, our oldest being 25, our youngest being 19, and um, so we have learned a little bit along the way, so in that regard, I think it gives us um, some, it, it qualifies us to speak to this subject. Um, so, that said, we may discuss our family affairs at times, unfortunately for our children, yes, and probably even, unfortunately, for my new sons-in-laws, yes, they might be lumped into this as well. Who knows? We'll see. Yeah, depends on, I don't know. Y'all can bribe me if you want. I don't know. Bring me some... <laughs> You could just make me a home-cooked meal right now. Our kitchen is under, what, week five of renovation? <sighs> anyway, Jalen makes me, make me some food. All right, Esther's like, wait, what? <laughs> Jalen cooks? All right. Um, <clears throat> I knew I could wake y'all up. So here's the deal, though. As the Bible says, we do count it all joy that our children are walking in truth. I know sometimes we hesitate to say we're proud. Um, So I'm going to just say it that way. I count it all joy. It is a joy that my children walk in truth. But not only that, that they've dedicated their lives to the work of the kingdom. Um, We are greatly, immensely grateful to God for that. We want to be sensitive, though, to those of you in different circumstances, Um, those of you watching, And those of you present, we want to be sensitive if you have children that have left the truth that you have really tried hard to instill. We want to be sensitive to those whose marriages haven't worked out, to those who have suffered abuse at the hands of a family member, sensitive to those who have lost loved ones and you feel like your family is broken and fractured. And many other things I could say about that. That's not a comprehensive list by any means of the various scenarios and situations uh, you may all find yourselves. Um, However, we're also not going to beat around the bush because of the fact that there's broken and dysfunctional families within the church. We know that they exist in the world, But for some reason, we get a little bit sideways over all of this chaos in the church. But I do want to remind you that there's two common denominators within the church and in the world. And that is people. There's one. (laughs) Yep. In case that was revelation. revelation, there's people in the world and there's people in the church. And there's sin. Wow, y'all are tough. I talk about Jalen not cooking, but as soon as I talk about people in sin, you're like, yes. So, we have both of those things in both places, and therefore, there's going to be brokenness. There's going to be things that happen. There's going to be people fall away. People commit adultery. I mean, just all those things. It's going to happen. So, we're here to teach you about the biblical ideal for the family. Now the word ideal might throw some of you off. Like, how in the world could there be an ideal? I smell air quotes. Y'all like that? I'm like the bishop. He's always doing air quotes. Um, how could there be an ideal family? Well, there really isn't one, except for if you put that word biblical in front of it. Okay? So that's what you're going to have to hang with. So... Through all of this, keep that in mind because you're going to be thinking, "What? <laughs> How? Uh, this can't be possible. All right. At times, you may feel upset with me, with us. You might feel frustrated because your family is not currently or was not in the past remotely biblically ideal. And so we might make you mad sometimes. I don't really know. Or we might just have such a get Nathaniel back here, up here and we'll hold hands again and we pray for each other and we need you to survive. We'll have that moment again and then we'll start over. But just understand that there's going to be things throughout this journey that you're going to hear and you might be like, uh, like I'm not doing that currently, <laughs> you know. Um, it's okay. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. We're not here as experts. We're here feeling very qualified, but at the same time, very humbled. <laughs> so we're here just sharing what we feel like is biblical ideals for the Christian family. You're also going to realize a few things. So I'm going to try to keep the kids engaged too. In two weeks from now, we're really going to engage the kids. So we're going to need the kids to all come. you gotta nudge your parents and say, I want to be here in two weeks. And also in two weeks from now, we're going to engage the teenagers. So, very important that you're here. Um, So, but we want to try to keep you engaged in this. Now, here's what could happen throughout this teaching, is you might hear things, and then you might go home, and it's not really happening the way in which we taught that it should be happening, and you might be tempted to use sister Angie's words or pastor's words as weapons. Everybody said those words are not weapons. No. Those words are not weapons. What I'm saying and what we're teaching does not become weapons. What do I mean by that? That that means you're not going to say things like, well, did you hear what sister Angie said? She said that you're not supposed to that y- that you're not supposed to treat me that way. <laughs> that you're supposed to honor me, you know. We're not going to do those crazy things, right, girls? All right, yes. Do you hear that? Do the parents hear that? I got, yep, they said yes. Um, We're not going to do that. We're going to be respectful with one another and realize that I'm putting out some ideals, (laughs) right? Guess what? We're not perfect. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not perfect. Okay, so... Just because we're trying to meet some goals and some ideals and achieve something great doesn't mean we're going to be great at it. I mean, so much of this is course correction. So much of this is you're doing great, but then it gets off, and then you course correct again. And then it gets off again. Oh, oh, I got to fix again. I got to keep course correcting. All right? So that's a lot of what family life is is course correction so we're not going to go use all these things and start slinging those at each other all right so i'm really telling the kids and teenagers that like sister angie said please don't say those words in your house it's going to make me very nervous because i don't know what's going to follow them anyway that's because you never know what sister angie's going to say sometimes that's the problem that's why, Jalen, I'm counting on you to edit this if necessary. Okay, good. That's what I told Brother Isaac before I, te- I, I told him in the conference room. I was like, the thing that makes me the most nervous is sometimes I say things I'm not supposed to. and <laughs> I get in trouble. But you're sitting right here. You're sitting right here. You're right close by, so you can help me out if I do that. Okay. All right. Um, here's what we want to do. Sorry, I lost my... My part there. You're going to realize that the family, this is revelatory, wait for it, that the family that is often portrayed in mainstream media, on the TV, and in movies, is not even close to being a biblical ideal. Right? That's not even a thing anymore. I'm so old. Um it's just not, I mean, I, and I say most, and <laughs> I say, you know, often, I, every now and then you're going to come across something that you're like, wow, that's amazing, that was so wholesome, Little House on the Prairie is just fantastic, I mean, at the most, I think all they do is like stick their tongue out at each other, you know, I mean, if that's what we have to do, guys, who are about to go back to watching Little House on the Prairie, I'm just saying, it's getting crazy um so kids young people all of the above what you're watching if it's anything from honestly 2015 and on it's like it's amped up it's revved up that idea biblical ideal of a family is so crazy it's just there's no there's no words for it it's crazy So the other thing, too, is we are not going to be shying away from telling you what a healthy Christian family could and should look like. So we know what's out there. We know all the garbage. We know, so in the TV and the movies, all those things, we know we've got this biblical ideal we want to achieve. We know that oftentimes in the church, we don't achieve that. We know that there's brokenness within the church and the families, etc. We know all these things. But still, we're not going to shy away from telling you what a healthy Christian family could and should look like. All right? So, I want to be on the same page with everybody on that. We're not going to shy away from these things just because there's something there there's a worse version of it or or like Pastor always says, the it, just because there's something fake out there doesn't mean we're not going to latch on to what's real or whatever. How do you say that? You say that better than I just said that. But y'all know what I'm talking about when he gets on his tangent about the watches and the polo shirts from Korea and all that, yeah. I don't know. Was that in Korea? Yeah. Okay. We're working on that, by the way. Working on that. Yep. I'm trying to tell him, you can go to the thrift store and get a polo shirt, a real one, for cheaper than that fake one in Korea. But he don't listen to me. But anyway. All right. So, see, you're going to have to edit that one, Jalen. Because everybody watching and be like, what in the world is she talking about? Pastor and his, yeah, real and fake. That's what we're talking about. We want our young people to be looking forward to family life, to, to building a family we want to be striving for showing our young people how to build a godly christian healthy family all right so i'm going to just give you a few nuts and bolts some types or structures of families now here's where i did a little research i have about 10 points of green in me and if you're familiar with real colors and you know that i'm orange blue Green is lowest, and green is the researching component of people, special people. Yeah, those people that I usually hate. Um, The researchers. I mean, I don't hate the people. I love the people. I hate researching. Okay, I hate the fact that they love to research. That's what I'm trying to say. (sighs) I did some research types or structures of families there is a nuclear family now i did want to say i'm going to define nuclear okay some of you are thinking like explosive
2: (laughs) oh
1: honey they're talking about us we actually had a couple moments today with a couple situations that i was like i told him i'm like we're about to turn into a nuclear family today because things are about to blow up right now with all the miscommunication It's just been one of those, like, crazy harebrained days. Um, Nuclear family, a single-parent family, an extended family, a childless family, a step family, and a grandparent family. So these are all the basic families that exist in our world today. There's also, like, some other structures, types you could call it would be single, like single and living alone. Is kind of a structure, Um, and that could be single either by choice, by divorce, by death. So that's out there. And then we have like this season of life, I would say, called empty nesters. So that's kind of a a family structure too. So we're going to kind of deal with singleness and empty nesters and some of that a little later when we're going to talk about seasons and families. For tonight, I'm just going to kind of give you the basics Um, of those six the modern definition of nuclear family just wait for it a family group that consists only of parents and children a couple and their dependent children regarded as a basic social unit now this is not the one that I wanted to read where did it go oh It said two parents. Oh, I disappeared on me. The other modern definition was two parents and children, child or children, within the family. Now, here's what you'll see. I'm going to read to you the original or traditional definition of a nuclear family, and you're going to see the difference, hear the difference. The traditional definition of a nuclear family is a family unit that includes two married parents of opposite genders and their biological or adopted children living in the same residence. That definition no longer exists in our modern world. They have changed it to read two parents or it consists of parents and children they keep it gender free all right so just be advised that that is the modern definition of the nuclear family some of this i wish to share also so that you understand what people are thinking the frame of reference they have the things they're hearing and seeing on tv or reading in the news or watching on the news etc on social media all the things This stuff is just, it's coming out in all of that as the norm. That modern definition is just coming out as the norm. Oh, that's the, oh yeah, nuclear family is, and that's becoming the norm. You have to understand that young people nowadays, uh, from, I would say, 21 down, especially those that are in a public school, are just the norms of what they're calling norms, and the norms in a family are completely contradictory to the word of God, all right? So these are things like you need to be aware that if you if you weren't, if, when you're talking to somebody, there's no telling what their definition of there's so much acceptance and tolerance, and I don't mean that in a – anyway – it's inclusiveness. Whatever. I'm gonna, I'm not gonna digress. I'm gonna keep moving. Okay. Why is it called a nuclear family? The term nucleus. It's from the term. It's from the word nucleus. All right. In case you were thinking, still thinking, explosive. Um, usually, is used the term nucleus used when referring to atoms is often connoted as a basic or simple part of an organization. Hence why having children is the key to the term nuclear family because they provide the structure of a family that holds the couple together, all right? So we were in San Francisco five years ago, and while we were touring a part of San Francisco, I'll be careful here, Pastor, I promise we could delete it later, but there was rainbow sidewalks, so everybody can pick up what I'm putting down. There was rainbow sidewalks, there was storefronts with extremely inappropriate um, stuff they were selling, whatever. And the tour guide said, kind of like, fun fact, there's no playgrounds in this neighborhood. Or years ago, when they built this neighborhood for certain kind of people, there's no... Playgrounds, but they're starting to add playgrounds now because they've allowed those of same-sex marriage to adopt children. So when that became legal, they started to, but it was the first time that it hit me, like how odd that is and how against everything biblical (laughs) and everything in me, like when you realize there's no playgrounds because there's no children because you can't have children with same-sex marriage. So it's very interesting to me. But you got to understand now, and I'm bringing that point, because now they would tell you that all of those are nuclear families. Okay? So that's, the, that's where we're at. So I'm trying to explain that to you because that's, that's just where we're at. All right? And so, yeah, evidently now they're starting to bring in playgrounds into that neighborhood. So, it's kind of strange because you don't really think about it that way. We kind of just take—I don't know—you take a playground for granted, right? Like I don't—you just don't realize. All right. This is from a website called Family.LoveToKnow.com. Um, it's an interesting website if you want to check it out. Um, it, it's very. Um, it just makes statements, so I'm going to read to you a few things without a whole lot of, it doesn't put a lot of slant or filter on it necessarily. It just kind of is kind of an um, explanations of things. So I'm just going to read some of it. Some families naturally fall into multiple categories. For example, a single-parent family who lives in a larger extended family, um, or while these types of families are distinct in definition, in practice, the lines are less clear. As laws and norms change, so do family structures. Huh. So what, what we're here, we're not here to come against things. I don't wanna put it, I don't wanna frame it that way. But we're here, I'm also, I, I'm wanting you to be aware when you read a statement like that, as laws and norms change, so do family structures. Well, yes, that actually is true because we're living that right now. That's not a good statement. Family structures weren't meant to change. They, they just weren't. So just be careful. And when you read something like that, you know, I'm just reading through this, and I'm like, wait, hold on. That's a, That statement, man, they just – of threw it in there and and unfortunately we are living that but that's just not the way it's biblically supposed to be for example how the laws and norms have changed family structures the 2020 us census was the first to give respondents the chance to indicate that they are part of a same-sex couple either married or unmarried yay all right, the nuclear family. The nuclear family is the traditional type of family structure. This family type consists of two parents and a children. There it is. It was further down. That's what they're calling the modern, fam- the modern nuclear family is two parents and, a, and children, child children. The nuclear family was long held and esteemed by society as being the ideal in which to raise children. Imagine that. Children in nuclear families receive strength and stability from the two-parent structure. There again, you're not careful. You see the way they're framing it, the two-parent structure. But we're going to fill in the blanks here, right? The two parents being a man and a woman structure and generally have more opportunities due to financial ease of two adults. In America today, only 22% of families live in a nuclear family unit. Yep, there you have it. Single-parent family. The single-parent family consists of one parent raising one or more children on his own. The single-parent family is the biggest change society has seen in terms of the changes in family structures. One in four children is born to a single mother. Single-parent families are generally close and find ways to work together to solve problems, such as dividing up household chores. When only one parent is at home, it may be a struggle to find childcare, as there is only one parent working. This limits income and opportunities in many cases, although many single-parent families have support from relatives and friends. All right, then we have something called the extended family. The extended family structure consists of two or more adults who are related either by blood or marriage, living in the same home. This family includes many relatives living together and working toward common goals, such as raising the children, keeping up the household chores. Many extended families include cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents living together. This type of family structure may form due to financial difficulties or because older relatives are unable to care for themselves alone. Extended families are becoming increasingly common all over the world. All right, in case you didn't know what an extended family was, there you go. All right, we have childless family. While most think of family as including children, there are couples who either cannot or choose not to have children. The childless family is sometimes called the forgotten family as it does not meet the traditional standards set by society. Childless families consist of two partners living and working together. Many childless families take on the responsibility. The pastor's gonna love this of pet ownership. Or have extensive contact with their nieces and nephews. Cute. Okay. So, step families. Fun. I was raised uh, with in. Step family with a step family in a step family. I, how do you say that? Yeah, and I think one Christmas we started at my mom's, we went to my dad's, and then went to my dad's mom's. So, my dad's, my grandmother on my dad's side. Then we did went to my stepmother's mother's house, and then wait for it, we went to my stepmother's stepmother's house. Yep, we did that all in one Christmas. Yep, pretty cool. Anyway, step family. Over half of all marriages end in divorce, and many of these individuals choose to get remarried. This creates the step or blended family, which involves two separate families merging into one unit. It consists of a new husband or wife and their children from previous marriages or relationships. Step families are about as common as the nuclear family. About as common, well, yeah, anyway. Although they tend to have unique challenges, such as adjustment periods, discipline issues. Um, step families need to learn to work together and also work with their exes to ensure these family units run smoothly. All right. Then we have what's called a grandparent family. Many grandparents today are raising their grandchildren for a variety of reasons. One in 14 children is raised by their grandparents, and the parents are not present in the child's life. This could be due to parents' death, addiction, abandonment, or being unfit parents. Many grandparents need to go back to work to find additional sources of income to help raise their grandchildren. So here's an interesting little um, group of sentences, and then I'm going to turn it over to my cute half. So... Variety of structures. This is an interesting statement, like I just read a minute ago, where I said, huh, there is no right or wrong answer when it comes to what is the best type of family structure. And even a traditional nuclear family has its pros and cons. While part of that is true, sure, a nuclear family has pros and cons, a step family has pros and cons. I mean, what family, type of family doesn't? So... Okay, but there is my, – my issue with this statement is there is no right or wrong answer when it comes to what is the best type of family structure. I disagree with that statement. I think there's absolutely a right answer, all right? And that's what we're here to share. In case you didn't get the hint, I was, I've been saying that a few times. That's what we're here to talk about is that right answer to the type of family structure. Um, all right, I think I'm turning it over to you, boss. All right.
0: Genesis 1 tells us, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's approximately 4,000 years from that point until the church came into existence. 4,000 years but the family was started from the beginning didn't start with the church started with the family there's a statement in the wedding ceremony that I use that says, earlier, therefore, than all laws, and this is the infamous statement that I have worked very hard to change my pronunciation. Earlier, therefore, than all laws of merely human origin, the institution of marriage lies at the basis of all human legislation, civil government, and the peace and well being of the nation and land. Chapter one of Genesis deals with creation. All of the things that God created, culminating with man. Chapter two begins with God sort of finalizing everything, if you will, the the garden, the rivers, and all this stuff, and 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 he and, and man is placed in this garden, and it's there is there is. Relatively speaking, hardly any time that passes. And then in verse 18 of chapter 2, the Lord God said, He didn't even wait on man. He didn't wait on Adam to come to this conclusion. God initiated saying, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet for him. In just a very brief amount of time from... Creating everything, God says, man doesn't need to be alone. Bottom line, and obviously in the context of this session, this series, there there's some things that are implied in that. But at the end of the day, you and I were not made to live alone. I don't mean literally just in the sense of you're supposed to be married or I don't mean that. I mean, we we may go our separate ways at the end of this service and some of you may go home as a single person to your own house, but we are a body. So we should not be, we we may have to go our separate ways, but we should not be alone because God did not intend for human beings to live alone. That was part of the big issue we dealt with in 2020, people isolated and alone. So God initiated from the very beginning, creating a helpmeet for Adam. And then it's in the very next chapter that the Bible says, Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And then the next verse is Abel. So within the first three chapters, we have God establishing the family. Three chapters in, God is establishing the family. 4,000 years later, till the church as we know it. I want, you, I want you to let that sink in for a moment, because it's easy for us to get all caught up in the church and ignore and neglect our families. And and I, I appreciate so much uh, that, that I I was thinking of saying them or way to say them, and then uh, my wife shared what she was going to say at the beginning, and I I I wholeheartedly occur, concur. We got just in this group here tonight, and we don't even have all of Antioch Central here. We've got so many different uh, demographics, settings. But I want to add another thing, and I think she kind of touched on it, but, but also the goal is to plant some seeds in the lives of some people that have yet to start their families. So understand that as well. While we're trying to be mindful of where some of you are, what you've gone through, what you're going through, there's also some here that their future is ahead of them. And by the help and grace of God... When they get to that point, they're going to make up their minds to build their life on the foundation of the principles of the Word of God. And we've got some young people and some kids in here tonight that if Jesus doesn't come before they get married, who knows? I can't believe the changes that have taken, and j- taken place in just the last several years. Who knows where, the, where things will be by the time they reach the point of getting married, so there's some seeds that are also intended to be planted. I I think it's interesting. I I know what a wife is. I know very well what a wife is. But I just thought, let me just look up that word "wife" in Genesis three and verse eighteen, and and this is the this is uh, this is the definition of a wife. First of all, it is a woman, a female, a woman opposite of a man. That is the definition. That word has now been broadened to just simply refer to a partner. There is a... uh, WNBA basketball star, and I'm not here to get into the politics of whatever. I haven't even followed the story. I've just heard bits about it. But a WNBA star that has been detained, I think, in prison in Russia for being found with drugs, and her wife is appealing to the government to get her wife. I'm sorry, but according to the original word meant in Genesis 3:16 a wife is not just a partner it is it is a woman it is a female Washington DC cannot change that no congress can change laws that change that so from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 10 verse number 1 is the first time in in the in the English and I believe in the Hebrew I I didn't pay attention to that part quite as much but at least in English Genesis 10, 10 verse 1 in the King James is is uh, and is the first time you will uh, or Genesis chapter 10 Beginning with verse number 1 says, "...now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and unto them were sons born after the flood." Verse 5, "...by these were the isles of the Gentiles divided in their lands." everyone after his tongue after their families in their nation so the first time the word family is seen it's in the plural families is in genesis 10 the first time the word family singular is found is in genesis excuse me is leviticus chapter 20 and verse number 5 in the bible in the in the english you will find the word family 123 times you will find the word families 174 times all but one of those all but one is in the old testament that's a lot of times there's a lot of different contexts of of what was being addressed when that word family or families is being used uh, different things god was saying different things that were happening But that word is commonly found throughout Scripture. According to Strong's, the Greek or the Hebrew word, excuse me, for family means a family. Let that one sink in for for a moment. It is a circle of relatives. Figuratively, it's a class of persons. A species of animals or sort of things, by extension, a tribe or people. It's a circle of relatives. God established the idea. God established the idea of family. It has been said that healthy families are the building blocks of healthy churches. It's actually been said that healthy families are the building blocks of healthy societies. And I want to challenge you in the course of the next couple of weeks. This is kind of going back to some of the introductory remarks. I want to challenge you, those of you that are... You're not still waiting for the future of building your family, starting your family. Those that you are beyond that and, and you've gone past the ideals and you've dealt with some of the, 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 the heartache and the difficulties. But I, I want to challenge you that whatever season or circumstances you're in, let God speak to you in those circumstances so whatever they are, they can be everything God wants them to be. It's interesting because especially you see it in the in, in, in the first several books of the Bible. God chose for blessings and cursings to flow through. I know it's Thursday night and we're teaching. We can still have a little interaction. God chose for blessings and cursings to th- flow through. He said it would happen from one generation to the next. That wasn't just generation in the sense of you know, an age bracket, it had to do with families. I will tell you tonight, there is no doubt in my mind that I am experiencing things in my life that are the blessings of the generations that have served God before me. My kids are experiencing the blessings of multiple generations because God chose for blessings to flow through families. Now, he, he said curses as well, but we're here to focus on the, on the positive part of that. And I will tell you, I, I, I'm, I'm not ready to debate you on this, but I have a big problem with the concept of generational curses for born-again believers. I believe that when you are born again and the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to you, it draws a line in the sand. And whatever the generational curses that have been a part of your family, they got to stop at that bloodline. Just like the death angel had to stop at the house of every door that had the blood on the doorpost, I don't think generational curses can be active in the lives of born-again children of God. I think I'm in the minority on that, but thats I think that's the power of the blood. Let me just give you a couple of things here. Exodus 12, 21, Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, draw out and take you a lamb. This is, this is the conclusion of all of the, um, all of the, the uh, plagues. This is the 10th one. Moses is giving the instruction for what's supposed to happen now. And he says, everybody's supposed to take a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. Every family, every family was supposed to be actively involved in this process that was going to get them out of Egypt. Genesis 12 and 3, he says, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Genesis 50 and 24, And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die, and God will surely visit you, and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swore to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. You say, Pastor, the word family is not in there. No, because it's a family that's named. It went from Abraham, the father, to Isaac, the son, to Jacob, the grandson. That's why I don't believe you and I that have children are living for God just for ourselves. I'm making an investment to be passed on to future generations. And, 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 and I, I'll, I'll probably say this again in a moment, but I don't care what family type you've come from, and many of you've come from somewhat of a broken home, but I'm, we used to say there's people who came from dysfunctional families. I am here tonight as the pastor of Antioch Central to declare to you that every single family is dysfunctional, mine included. Every family's got a level of dysfunction. Right, right. Exactly right. I know there are some that are more dysfunctional. But for all of you that sit around thinking, man, I got a dysfunctional family and every... No, no. Some may hide, be able to hide their dysfunction better than others, but all of us are dysfunctional. It's the grace and the mercy of God that makes up for our shortcomings... So whatever your past has been, God is able to give you a future that is not based simply on what your past was. i gotta, I got I to gotta teach. Like Ephesians 3.14, in fact, this is the one place where the word family is mentioned in the New Testament. For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven is. And earth is named. That's a part of the beauty of the church. Is if you didn't have a good natural family, you are now a part of a family. You are now a part of the family. It's still made up of human beings. So it's still got some issues in it, but it's a family. And it's got the father of all fathers for this family. Acts 2.46, I just want to point this out, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. You, you all know we call our small groups oikos, and the, Greek, or the, the English word there for house, the Greek word is oikos, which means a dwelling more or less extensive, literal, or figurative. By implication, a Family. That's why small groups as part of a congregation are so important, because small groups help to make strong churches. The term, the primary term used for us to identify God in prayer Lord, how do we pray? Teach us to pray. Here's how you pray Not our Savior, not our Master, not our Redeemer, not our Healer, not our Lord, our Father. It was a familial term used as the pattern of, it's everywhere. From Genesis to Revelation, it's everywhere. So why does the enemy target the family so much? I, my wife said it, if you, if you watch any TV or movies, especially sitcom. I personally don't, I'm just saying it, I'm not judging you, I don't watch them because the majority of the humor in sitcoms is based on sarcasm, belittling people. And any sitcom that has any family dynamic, usually one of the primary elements of that sitcom is making the dad look like an absolute, complete idiot. The mom's not always too far behind, but that doesn 't quite fit the agenda that's going on in our world today, so it 's absolutely about making the dad out to be the biggest idiot in the world. Why is that? Why is the enemy so amped up at destroying our families i'm not going to give you and i I'm, I'm trying to move along here but but i i'm, I'm not going to give you a, you probably are suspecting i'm going i'm getting ready to go through a bunch of scripture with you. And, quite the opposite. I just want to give you some natural things in our world that can show us why the enemy is so far, so much after our families, because he knows the impact of it. In an article titled, Creating a Strong Family, Why Are Families So Important? This is from the University of Nebraska. I have my ref- references. <laughs> Marriage and family are perhaps society's oldest and most resilient institutions. From the beginning of human life, people have grouped themselves into families to find emotional, physical, and communal support. Although social commentators often have predicted the demise of both marriage and the family, family is not only is not only survive, we family not family not only survives, it continues to change and evolve. Some ways not so good as we've already heard. Family structures may vary around the world, and yet the value of our family endures. Families are the basic foundational social units in all human communities around the world, and healthy individuals within healthy families are at the core of a healthy society. It's in everyone's best interest then to help create a positive environment for all families. This can be a labor of love for all of our social institutions, educational institutions, businesses, human and family service agencies, religious institutions, health organizations, literally everyone involved in the daily life of a community. Our world benefits from healthy families. Our world, our natural world benefits the bottom line is if that's if if the family is so important to our world then how much more is it to the church to the body of Christ an article titled, a nation dying in despair and family breakdown is part of the and P- a nation dying in despair and family breakdown is part of the problem for at least the past 100 years, American children could grow up believing they would live longer than their parents and grandparents. Rising standards of living, higher life expectancy, they both seemed implicit in the, implicit in the promise of America. That was until the current upsurge of deaths of despair. Never heard this term before. Deaths of despair. We've known for a long time that unstable family life related to divorce, missing fathers and communities with large numbers of single mother households can be we've known for a long time that unstable family related to divorce, missing fathers and communities with large numbers of single mother households can be bad for kids. Deaths of despair are a red flag warning that these disruptions are similarly hard On adults, so it's saying that the breakdown of family doesn't just affect kids. Though only 32 percent of the population unmarried and divorced, though, though only 32 percent of the population unmarried and divorced men account for a stunning 71 percent of opioid deaths. Emile Durkheim, one of the godfathers of sociology, found a link between suicide and family breakup over a century ago. The same link remains today. Divorce increases the risk of alcoholism for both men and women. So does checking single for marital status on government documents. Our, Our world has suffered the consequences of the breakdown of the family. It's no wonder the enemy has spent centuries (laughs) trying to attack the family, because if you can break down the family, you can break down society. I'm going to skim over. I will share my notes so you can (laughs) read later, but I'm going to skim for the sake of time, but... Uh, In an article titled, Family Breakdown and Its Consequences, having a father, this is just an excerpt from this article, having a father involved in their lives boosts children's self-esteem and confidence. School-aged children with good relationships with their fathers are less likely to experience depression, exhibit disruptive behavior, or to lie than children without good father-child relationships. Similarly, girls who have fathers involved in their lives often have stronger self-esteem than girls who do not. Families that do not function the way God intended them lead to great consequences. Some of the very basic elemental impacts of divorce on children is poor performance in academics, loss of interest in social activity, Difficulty adapting to change, emotionally sensitive, anger or irritability, feelings of guilt, feelings of guilt in the sense of did the child do something to cause the breakup, introduction of destructive behavior, increase in health problems, loss of faith in marriage and the family unit. And then, of course, the cycle of divorce usually leads to adults who end up divorcing, or adults who are not willing to even get, in, get into marriage because they don't want to experience or go through what they went through growing up, what they've watched their families. The enemy knows, again, if he can break down the family, he can break down a society, he can break down a church. The good news is this evening, as I look across this auditorium, and as has already been noted just right next to me, is the grace of God has the ability to break cycles. The grace of God has the ability to make up for whatever lackings or deficiencies you feel like you have or that you have experienced from what you have been through. Right, right. So while all of that that I just read to just try to get across some of the importance and why the enemy works so hard to attack the family because he knows all of the subsequent consequences that will come from that. I also want to ch- one of the one of the one of the most rewarding things that I've watched even in just the last couple of years is some of our younger couples who are breaking some cycles that based on what their upbringing and their experiences were, what the expectations for them should be, they are overcoming them by the grace of God. And so the goal of my part this evening in trying to help communicate some of the impact is not to heap guilt and shame or touch some wounds. But We've got to understand, folks, this, this series is not just because we don't have anything else to talk about. It's not just because it's a box to check off on a grow card. It's because it is absolutely, fundamentally important to the life of the church. It's not an extra. It's not just an add-on. It is an absolute necessity. And for the remainder of this, I think you're going to hear even more the significance of it, and what it represents.
1: All right. I'm going to call this part for this cause. So And I'm not going to be very much longer, and then we'll see what Pastor wants to do after I'm finished. Um, a Christian family is one that operates in the pattern of Christ's own self-denial and faithful obedience as he laid down his life for us. That's what a Christian family is like. Ephesians 5 and 22. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives. You know, if you're if you're not reading if you're not if you're not reading this with a spiritual mind you're probably thinking what is this strange diversion happening right smack in the middle of this marriage teaching (laughs) like what is going on he goes into this church thing and then all of a sudden is back to men love their wives well that's what we're going to talk about for this cause so ought men to love their wives as their own bodies he that loveth his wife loveth himself for no man ever yet hated his own flesh but nourisheth it and cherith, cherisheth it, that's weird, weird to say, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. I found an interesting article um, It's actually a Catholic website, and it's called Universe of Faith. I have no idea. I have no frame of reference for that. You're welcome to check it out. It is very Catholic. But I thought this was very interesting and worth sharing. Why is family important to Christians? Family is important to Christians because family is about witnessing to the Lord's faithful love for the church. And for the whole of humanity. I, I, I might need to reread that. Family is important to Christians. Because family is about witnessing to the love, the Lord's faithful love for the church and for the whole of humanity. Family is about making present in a concrete and daily manner. The reciprocity and beauty of the Lord that characterizes God's life. How interesting. I love the way that was stated. Family is a rich school where we learn to be humane and generous, to be patient and steadfast, to be just and merciful, to be faithful and committed, to be together and to connect, single-parented or mother-father, childless or fertile, in big cities or in the countryside, in harmony or in conflict, in home country or refugees, at peace or at war, healthy or in illness or addiction, free or in prison, in a house or homeless, able or disabled, Working locally, working away from home, with or without pets, whatever the family, all families are precious in the eyes of God. I thought that was very interesting the way all of that was phrased. Now, here's our challenge, and the, I, I'm pretty sure from what I read this was a very recently posted article. The Catholic Church believes. The best form of family, both for the couple itself and for the children to grow up in, is a one-man, one-woman, permanent relationship in the sacrament of marriage, where each lives for the other and receives the other in a dynamic of reciprocal love. Okay, I like that. Check. I agree. Here's the tricky part. And here, if you're kind of picking up what we're putting down, we're also challenging you to be aware of this culture we're in and challenging you and how to handle it as the church all right and this was interesting. It says, "I'm still reading from this Catholic article, other forms of family, including cohabitating or civilly married couples, separated, divorced, and not married and not remarried." Divorced and remarried, single-parent families, unions between gay persons are accompanied gently and respectfully by the church. Okay? New ways of dialogue and pastoral attention are currently being explored in these areas where the church, guided by tenderness and compassion, learns to accompany different persons in different family situations to make all feel included and welcome, even if they feel misunderstood and abandoned in their own family as they seek to follow the Lord. I actually, surprisingly, thought that was all very interesting, and I think where we're striving for as well. The word inclusion obviously means interesting things in this society But what I want to challenge you to do is we always love sinners. We may not love the sin they're participating in. So it is important as the church to welcome everyone. Everyone. And I mean that. You heard it right here from this pulpit that this pastor and this pastor's wife welcomes everyone. Can I get an amen? Do you all feel the same way? We welcome everyone. We're going to love people. We're going to dispel the myth in this society that Christians are haters. You know, that we we don't include, that we're an exclusive church. Now, not the Jesus that I serve. No, he included everybody. However, We also are not a church that is come as you are, stay as you are, and drink your coffee while you're doing that, you know, and sitting on stools and, you know, while we preach in our jeans, and we're also not that church. I'm just saying, you know, but everybody's in a process, and like Pastor said last week, the direction a person is heading, so it is important, but it's also delicate, And there's a balance, and we have to figure out that balance. So, as a church and as a family, we're all going to learn how to do that together because I assure you, they're coming. These people are hurting, they're broken. I I tell all the college, where's all my CMI college kids and all that? Are you not experiencing on the campus hurting and broken young people? who have no idea what they believe. They have no idea what gender they are because they're being taught 15 genders in psychology at Anne Arundel Community College. I think there's more than 15 now. I don't even know what that means. I don't don't even know what that means. Jaron, have you taken psychology yet? Oh, it's a whole bundle of crazy. Yeah. So... It wasn't like that 30 years ago when I was a psycho- in psychology. Was not. I went to Bowie State University. I, I, I had no idea what my kids were talking about when they came home and told me what they were teaching at that college. That is a whole bundle of craziness. But let me just tell you, at the root of so much of this is someone who is hurting and broken. They've been in an abusive situation. There's no telling what their background is. And... My Jesus is going to include and bring them in and we're going to love. And then at some point it might have to be tough love as they hear the word of God and they see the things that they need to change about their life. But we're going to let God do that. It's going to be beautiful testimony, beautiful testimony. So I really found that interesting. So. I want everyone to feel very challenged too as we go through this. The idea here is to realize that when you are witnessing to someone for this cause, all day man to leave his mother and father, for this cause, for what cause what what cause are we talking about here? How interesting it is that most religions even to this day consider family life to be a blessing and the value and they value the stability of marriage. Here's what I believe that the church should be a model of family life. The church, we need to model it. We need to be excited about it. We need to show everybody how awesome it is to be married a man to a woman we we need to be vocal about it i don't mean in somebody's face but hey they're plenty vocal so how about instead of like well i don't believe that and you shouldn't you shouldn't do that that's not that's not what i'm talking about i'm talking about let me tell you about my marriage it's awesome i've been married for 30 years to the same man And it has been awesome. Let me tell you about some of the folks at my church. Yeah, I know this couple and this couple. See, there's a way. See, this is supposed to be for this cause. There's a way that we're supposed to woo people as Christ loved the church. We're supposed to exude that, not be all, you know, well, yeah, I don't know. He's all in Mully Grubbs and whatever about your family. My family's this and that. Well, okay, you can go do that in a counseling session with Pastor and me or to your best friend. But if you are talking to someone and witnessing to someone, let me tell you, you had better have the best family that ever happened. <sighs> because this is the way that we can win people for this cause. The relationship between the church and Christ should be modeled in our relationships as husband and wife. It is amazing to me how the reactions. When we were in Hawaii and we're often in conversation, we're in tour groups and all this stuff. You know, oh, so why are you here? Why, you know, shout out. Tell us where your your names, where you're from. Tell us why you're here. Man, when we get to that 30th anniversary part the faces of people i mean wow that's awesome i mean it's so unusual in this day and time that right there guess what i just did i just witnessed i just witnessed for the cause of christ for the cause of the gospel for winning people thriving christian families who are connected are modeling to the world how they can have a relationship with God. Thriving Christian families who are connected and healthy are modeling to the world. How do I witness to somebody? Well, I'll tell you how I can witness to somebody through the blood and the word of my testimony. Sometimes all I have to do is start with my testimony. Well... I've been married for 30 years, even though I came from a broken home. My parents were divorced when I was eight years old. But I've been married for 30 years. And my sisters, my si- my older sister Alex has been married for 32, thir- 32, yes. My other sister 31, we're at 32, 31, and 30. That's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. All three of us lived through a broken home. All three of us lived through divorce. We got tossed around back and forth between mom and dad because they could not get themselves together and they had to go to court every six months and fight over us. It was ridiculous. But guess what, I've been married 30 years. Guess what, even though my mom was very verbally abusive to me, I have a great relationship with all my adult children. See what I'm saying? Do you realize what I'm saying? Do you realize the power of the Christian family for this cause? We've got to get a hold of this. Jesus is counting on the church to, to promote this message, to push this message, to show excitement for this message, to reveal this message, to look at somebody and say, oh, you don't have to live that way anymore. Guess what? Do you know what I've done to several? I have talked to several young men in this church, um, a couple of them from Antioch North. And I can't even say it without breaking up, but they were from really rough families. And I've, I've looked at them, and one of them on his wedding day a few weeks ago, I looked at him and I said, you get to be the husband. You get to be the father now. The one that you always wished, the husband you wished your mom had had, the dad who left you. You now get to be an amazing husband. The one that you always wished you could have had. Father, husband, y'all get what I'm saying. You get to become a father Like the one you always wish you could have had. It's so powerful when you think about it. And that's what I'm saying. You get to, let me tell you, parents, you had better be transferring this to your kids. I'm telling you, I've said multiple times to my kids, I didn't get this. But I hope you see this modeled and you want this. I hope you can share with other people how much, how awesome your family life has been. Has, I, I'm not about to sit here and tell you it has been all rainbows and roses and unicorns. Well, it was unicorns for Esther, but anyway, and little marshmallow things. I, who goes to the Amish market and buys the little crunchy marshmallows, a bag of them, like that are in Lucky Charms? Okay, Esther. I don't, all the kids. I, they crunch on those little marshmallows. What in the world is that? So for Esther, it was all unicorns and rainbows and crunchy marshmallows. But what I'm saying is, we get to show the world how Christ loves them. That is exactly what the family is meant to do. So wherever lot you find yourself tonight, it just even if if you're in one of the categories that's just not the nuclear family, we'll put it there. If you're in one of the other categories, you still have a testimony. Let me tell you something. I, you have a testimony, whatever, we'll get to that. But you young people, I just see you here. I see young people here. Where do I see you at? more young people here? Yes, raised in church, raised in church, raised in church, raised in church, raised in church. Yes. All of you, all of you that I see, let me tell you something. Guess what your testimony is? My parents are still together. I don't mind hanging out with my mom and dad. I realize some of you are thinking, like, what in the world is she talking about? Let me just tell you, especially when you're in public school, let me t- I know for a fact you guys probably listen to garbage. Declan, I know you heard garbage in that school. These kids talking about their parents, their cruddy home life, all that stuff. You probably at times felt like, I don't know what I'm supposed to say. I have this like clean cut life. My mom and dad been together forever. See what I'm saying? The devil's the one telling you that mess. That is your testimony. That is powerful. That is the power in the family unit. Oh, my goodness. Your test. I mean, if you're over here like, well, I didn't know all that, and I feel bad because my friends have had all this and that and the other, there's nothing to feel bad about. It's an amazing thing in this day and time for you to be able to say these things to your friends. Tell your friends' parents that your parents have been married for 20 years. Tell your friends' parents that. Guess what? You're witnessing. It's an amazing thing especially when you're telling them, yeah, well, I go to this church that is full of awesome families. Like, it is amazing. Like, man, we get together and, like, it's like we're, like, this big giant family, but then there's, like, all these little families with small groups. But then there's, like, actual families that are, like, amazing. I mean, do you realize what you can say? The devil is the one who tries to tell you that all that's like, well, I don't have anything to say to people. Yes, you do. It's so powerful. It's so powerful for this cause. If we can just remember that, that's why the devil is trying to stop it. He is trying. He is on a rampage. I'm t- it has amped up so much just in the last five years. I mean amped up. This dude is on steroids trying to destroy the family, trying to destroy the church, the families within the church, trying to discredit everybody, trying to. It is such a crazy mess. But for this cause, we're going to keep doing this, guys. We are going to keep believing in the godly Christian family. Jesus name. Jesus name.
0: Bible says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And every person as we touched on obviously there's are some areas that are kind of the focus, but there's there's some stories, there's some people even just sitting here tonight, others that aren't here tonight that are a part of us that raised by a single parent that have become some amazing, awesome people because God was in that family, those lives. God can. (laughs) Whether or not he does is up to us. God can change everything. 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 One of the most powerful statements I feel like I've ever heard in my life, I actually I think I read it in one of my textbooks for a finance class at University of Maryland, and the statement was this, your future is not merely an extension of your past. Your future does not just have to be a repeat of what your past was. God is able. I want you to stand. Would you just uh, reach over somebody close by? doesn't matter if it's family or just a friend, brother, sister join a hand, put an arm around a shoulder. I want us to close this evening by praying for every family that's a part of this congregation. And as, as my wife has touched on, whatever that, whatever the dynamic or makeup of that family or your family, that God would work on your behalf, strengthen you, If there's healing that needs to take place in your home with relationships and the dynamics, that he'll do that. Father, in your name tonight, Lord, we join together. I pray for every family that's here this evening, every family that will watch this at some point in the future. I pray, God, that your grace and your strength would work in every life. God, that we would experience what you intended, Lord, and whatever hurts and pains and disappointments we've been through in our lives, that there would be hope for our future, hope of what you can make each one of us to become. Lord, those of us that may have been raised with parents that were not the greatest of parents, that we can have the hope to become moms and dads according to your word. those that were raised with parents that divorced, that didn't have a a good relationship, that we we can have hope and faith for a future with our marriage. God, You're able. Your grace is sufficient. Your blood covers. We trust in You. I pray tonight, God, for Your covering. I plead the blood tonight over every home, every family, Lord, the enemy is doing everything he can to tear down, to tear apart, to destroy. I pray tonight, God, that you would protect, that you would guard, that you would keep. I pray that there would be healing of relationships, healing between husbands and wives, moms and kids, dads and kids, brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, cousins, that there be healing that would flow, Lord, in the name of Jesus, by the power of your Spirit. God, I also pray for this body as the family that we are in you, God. God, I thank you for the atmosphere that you have been creating and building, but I, I pray, God, that we as a congregation would never stop growing to becoming more and more of a family. I I pray, God, that those that come and visit and become a part of us would would recognize that dynamic, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of your Spirit, God, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen.